name is Alice. Hello and welcome to Rewatch, a short series where we revisit the billion-dollar zombie movie franchise Resident Evil. My name is Andrew, and I have watched every movie and played every game in the series. And my name is Eric, and I've only watched the movies and never played the games. Welcome to the show. This is very exciting. It's, yeah. It's spooky season, also, so the timing worked out great for this. A little something new for 12 and 24. Yeah, this is obviously a, a, a mini-series. We're not going to... This isn't a years-long endeavor, and I really like that a lot. <laughs> you might want to explain that for people who are just joining us and don't know that you watch a lot of movies. Yeah, I've made one of my hobbies a, a jobby, if you will, and I don't know how I feel about... No, it's fine. I really like watching movies. If this is your first podcast, you can visit us at 12and24.com where we have other ones. And thus far, we have an established track record of picking an actor and chronologically watching and reviewing all of the films that they've done. And uh, we have Keanu Reeves complete up until the recording of this so far. And we are in the process of doing Kurt Russell. So this is something a little bit different, a little bit cooler. You'll hear Eric on many of those episodes for both Kurt and Keanu. But we both have this kind of shared love of uh, zombies and maybe this franchise, question mark? I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so we figured, why not? Let's do some, let's do a little short show and it'll be great. Uh, I should note, if you want to email us, this is just the housekeeping part. So we'll just get this out of the way. You can email us hello at 12and24.com. Uh, and you can hit us up individually on Twitter. We're not going like, to like create a, a whole thing for this, but I'm at Dark Driving. Eric is at Platypus Jones. And you can agree with us or debate us, do all sorts of stuff like that. So if we get enough feedback later on, we'll probably do like a listener mailbag episode. But we're just kind of having fun revisiting these films, I think. And that's that's good enough. <laughs> if, if you... Uh, if you feel so inclined, we have a Discord you can join. That's 12and24.com slash Discord. You can listen live to this show, to other shows we do. And then finally, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, you rate and review the show on iTunes. There's only going to be, at, at maximum, seven episodes of this, which is actually pretty nice. So the six that we have, <laughs> and then come this November, I think late November, will be the new movie, uh, which may kick off another franchise, in which case Eric and I will have to continue this. But uh, much more time in between those, <laughs> much less of, what a, have of I a backlog. Myself into <laughs> well, well, well. That's you signed up. You buy the ticket, take the ride. Yeah, yeah. If you like fair. this, this this kind of mini series situation, uh, let us know. We might make more. These are a little bit more contained, a little bit easier. So let's get into this, Eric. Yeah. I want to start off by asking you uh, about your bona fides, right? Your history. <laughs> Let's get you set up uh, as an expert with zombie films and, and, and the like. So my first question is, you know, top, top three zombie films, if you, if you can. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's tough. Whew, there are so many. Uh, so I'm going to go with the obvious answer, but... Night of the Living Dead is a, just an all-time classic. Yeah. Um, 
if you check out the Criterion Collection, they don't they don't do much with the film, of course, but the the extras are amazing on that. I really love uh, Return of the Living Dead. Okay, which is uh, it is ostensibly a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, but not. Um, you can read all about the like rights issues around that. Return of the Living Dead is really kind of a punk rock zombie comedy. And I highly recommend it. Let me pause because you said that. And I, uh, I remember, I feel like I remember seeing this movie. Mm -hmm. All right. So like just a quick, like (laughs) potentially embarrassing story. I'm going to ask you about a a specific thing that may or may not happen. And if that's, if, if it does, then okay, I'll go into the story. If it doesn't, (laughs) that's fine. Is there a, a, a woman in that film who often, Removes her clothing and begins dancing, full, fully naked. Is that the one? I'm That's thinking? correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I like watched that with my parents when I was like twelve. <laughs> it was one of those. It was super uncomfortable, but uh, yes, I do remember that film well. So, <laughs> if for no other reason than that, yeah, it. it I would recommend going back as an adult. Um, it is. It is very funny. Um, it has a kick-ass soundtrack uh it's just it's a lot of fun we usually watch it on july 4th because that's when the movie takes place oh cool all right uh so uh and then my third i'm gonna go with a cheat it's a it's a modern movie called one cut of the dead oh so good i loved it yeah and i can't i don't want to go any further if you haven't seen it i know you have andrew yeah uh, but it's a huge recommend for anyone listening. Um, just it's, it's a love letter to zombie movies. Like I can't, I can't go much further here. Can I, can I give them, I don't want to give them, it's not a spoiler for one cut yeah. of the dead, but I know so many people who have never even heard of it and I've mm-hmm. tried to preach the gospel of it, but like, <laughs> it, it, again, this is not a spoiler, but like, I hate when people say this too, but like you have to give this movie the time, the whole runtime. It it absolutely requires it because if you watch the first 10 minutes, you might hate it. And I Mm -hmm. get, I just, just hang in, just hang in. That's all I'll say. It's, it's the kind of movie that rewards your attention. Yes. So don't be like on your phone, whatever, just, ride it out. And if you don't enjoy the ride by the end of it, uh, email me. I don't know what to tell <laughs> you're you. a husk of a human being. <laughs> yeah. You're dead inside. I didn't want to say that. I didn't no. want to alienate people right off the bat, but yeah, I've, I've never had a movie turn me around almost uh, on a, on a dime. You know, yeah. <laughs> I've never, I, cause yeah. I was seething when uh, it's fine. Just, I don't want to say anymore. <laughs> Just go watch one cut uh-huh. of the dead. Okay. Yep. Those are great. Those are great, great choices. Uh, very classic. I like it. So I know I'm a horror fan. Yeah. Do you have three favorite zombie movies? Like a top three? You know, I was I I I had thought about this, uh, and mine are uh, quite a bit more modern. But the, I think okay. I think it's okay. I think it's a good. I think we have a good balance of things, right? Sure. So if you know me, this this first one makes total sense. When I think of zombie movies, okay, 
uh, I actually think of Shaun of the Dead, which is 100%. a parody that actually became one of the best films in the genre, I believe, right? It transcended parody and became excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's probably at number four on my list. Oh, there you go. All right, perfect. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, The other one is one that I've seen pretty recently. I missed it like when it, I'm not even sure when it first came out, but I had watched it recently when it uh, came to Netflix. That's Train to Busan, which is just... It's operating on another level than most kind of zombie movies, and I really, really had a lot of fun with that one. Have you ever have you seen that one? Shame to admit, I haven't watched it. Okay, I recommend it. It's one of those things just sitting on my queue, and I know I'm going to love it. Yeah, and I just haven't gotten around to watching it. I think I think you would really love it. A lot of people, you know, subtitles for a lot of people is just like a auto, like a (laughs) non-starter. And I, I, again, I recommend just go, just power through really, really good. Uh, and then another kind of more modern one, and you could argue if it's zombies or whatever, but like, I really enjoyed Danny Boyle's 28 days later. I think that's like, I like fast zombies too, turns out. (laughs) So, uh, I like your traditional shamblers and the fast boys, you know, I can go, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more flexible with my zombies, I guess. Yeah, I'm not one of those traditionalists that's going to split hairs as to whether the 28 days later zombies are zombies or, you know, rage monsters or whatever. (laughs) They're infected, you know? (laughs) And I think, yeah, I think depending on how they're used, fast and slow zombies can be equally frightening. So, yeah, um, there's tension in both. Yeah, it's just like the Night of the Living Dead, it's the overwhelming number of the sheer volume of zombies is just yeah, oh no. People get too hung up on that bullshit. It's like, <laughs> did you have fun? Were you scared? Like, yeah, that's it. Get over it. That's yeah. it. All right, I think that's pretty great. <laughs> I think our choices pretty much reflect our are indicative of our personalities as well, which is great. I think that's you know, it says a lot about a person. Their, <laughs> their preferences. Okay. Sure. So let's talk Resident Evil specifically real quick before we get into this. Uh, when was the last time you watched these movies? What's the general, I guess, general? You, did you see them in theaters? Like, what, what's your experience of these films as of right now? Yeah, I definitely did not see them in theaters when they started. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I, as we've previously mentioned, I didn't play the video games. Yeah. Um, I was, of course, like familiar with them. Um, they had a, a fairly large cultural footprint, but like when this movie came out in 2002, I, it was probably wasn't even on my radar. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I noticed it because it starred Mila Jovovich and I was, you know, like a fifth element fan, like she'd done some work that I'd liked. Um, but other than that, um, wasn't really noticing it. And it was by Paul W.S. Anderson. So like 2002, you're catching me in my like heavy film fanboy phase. And when I say fanboy, I usually mean like obnoxious a-hole guy. <laughs> so okay. like if I saw a movie was directed by the same guy that directed Mortal Kombat, I probably like scoffed and was like, I don't need to see that kind of thing. <laughs> Pshaw, I say. Yeah, you know, I mean, the late 90s were were confusing for everyone, and I chose 
I chose to be a jerk about film. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> how how far after they released are you are you seeing these? Is it like when they come to DVD or or HBO or something like that? Are you are we talking like years and years after the fact? What probably and and like my recollection is is not super strong. What probably happened is I probably caught a sequel on TV, like okay. HBO or something like that. And I was like, oh, these are fun. Yes. Right? Like they fall firmly in like B movie status. Like if we still had movie classes like that, like they are just fun little like horror action movies. And then I went back and, and picked them up on DVD. Uh, I want to say I started with maybe like the third one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one knows what it's called. But, You'd never be able yeah. <laughs> if you if you put all five in front of me or six in front of me. I'd be like Afterlife. Well, like <laughs> one of the things I was going to say. What's interesting about these movies since we're just starting off, right? Yeah. Is they all run together. No idea. I couldn't tell if you were like which one is character <laughs> yeah. X Y Z, and I'd be like all. They weren't they're, in all of them? <laughs> yeah, their titles are just super vague. Yeah. Um, you know, they largely feature roughly the same cast of characters, although people drop in and drop out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they kind of all run together, which is why, like, you and I were talking before we started this podcast, like, we love these movies, it's very interesting that like you can't tell them apart. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know? it's a little wild, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like once you get me going, I can be like, "Oh, that's the one where." But if you just shouted a title at me, I have no idea. That's interesting. I will say that that is quite the opposite feeling that you get with the games. So if you called out, if you were like. Resident Evil 4. And the, the let's be clear, the the games are just numbered sequels. Sometimes they'll have a subtitle, but for the most part, the mainline series, there's like Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 5, and they're currently on eight. I could you just tell me the number and I'm t- I tell you the plot start to finish. That is not okay. true of these films at all. Yeah, I know we're gonna talk about it after we talk about the film a little bit, but I'm really curious to see sort of how these two things mesh, right? Like how they come together. Uh, I don't know about this first one. All right. It is interesting. I can say this. I could say that all of these films, and I think, I don't know if Paul W.S. Anderson directs all of them. I think there's like one or two that he ducked out of, right? Yeah. There's there's kind of a couple in the middle and then yeah. seven with somebody else. Yeah. He I think he was the writer though of has a writing credit on all. every one of them. Yeah. It's clear that the dude played and loved the games because there are Easter eggs all over the place. <laughs> like okay. just floor to ceiling Easter eggs, which is great. <laughs> but it's also like a kind of a fever dream situation. Like what the, how, is this dude just on drugs and playing these games and then wrote his own? I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So that's us. That's Resident Evil. That's our experience of it. I saw these, I'll just say really quickly. I saw the first two in theaters. Uh, All right. 
And then I, I noped out. I was like, wow, I think I, I think I was a little bit more hard on them. I might've been close to you in my, uh, film snobbishness in the late nineties, early aughts. Uh, and after the second one, I was like, nope, this is garbage. But and I, and I still watched them all, just not. I didn't sure. pay the ticket. You didn't, you know. you didn't go to the theater. No, yeah. no. So, <laughs> but again, you know, they are very fun. If nothing else, I just want to stress these movies are very fun. And you know, for whatever of our snobbishness, they they do really well. It's kind of ridiculous. When <laughs> when you and I were tossing this around, I was like, let me just see how much because we know that this was a franchise and Mila was the you know star of all six and again Paul W. S. Anderson was involved in at least some capacity of writing and directing all of them. It's a billion dollar over a billion dollar franchise. And we're talking in like when does this start in 02? 2002? Yeah, 2002. Which is very impressive for <laughs> You know, now everything's a billion dollar franchise, but it's that, that feels kind of like a flash in the pan almost back then, for, especially for an R rated zombie movie. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. I mean, I don't have all of the sort of facts and figures around this, but this feels like one of the movies that really opened up in the international market, right? Oh, like, yeah. I think we have the numbers on this. Like it had a $33 million budget. Yep. Domestic gross was 40 million, right? So it like makes its budget back, but no real multiplier. Yeah. It does 103 million worldwide. That is right? unbelievable. So like, yeah. So like, I think, I think this is the start of like, not just trying to hit a four quadrant movie. And obviously this isn't a four quadrant movie, but like, trying to hit like an international audience. Um, I mean, these movies are interesting in the same way that like the fast and the furious is interesting, right? Like they have multicultural casts. um, They have a very like distinct formula. They have remained, they have somehow managed to keep an aesthetic and tonal consistency through like seven films. Yes. Um, It's, it's kind of fascinating. The the Fast and the Furious, uh, that's like dead on, I think. Because, you know, that also kind of lends itself to why it's very difficult to distinguish these movies sometimes. <laughs> right, like, right, right. What's happening yeah. here? This Didn't we, it's, didn't we do this? It's, it's the one with the cars. It's the or one. It's, the one with, <laughs> the, it's the one with the zombies. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's great. So... We talked uh, box office and budget, and we obviously talked about uh, Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich. The cast of this movie, no one else, so I don't know any, I really don't know any of these other folks, except Michelle Rodriguez in here also doing the Lord's work as a badass female protagonist. I love this. I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, she is, it's funny because like, I hit a point with the fast franchise where I'm like, is she just playing herself? And, and I think she's just always played herself, right? Like, like she, she breaks out in 2000 with girl fight. Yeah. You know, in 2001, she's in the fast and the furious in 2002. She's in resident evil. Like in 2003, she's in SWAT. Like, Oh, she's just playing herself in all of these movies. And 
it's amazing. Like I am here for this character that she plays in every movie. Right. I'm I'm just happy she's getting paid to play herself, you know. For sure. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and she is quite a presence on screen throughout. Tough yeah. and a smart ass, but like a little bit sexy, like 100% I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. The one person that doesn't really get shouted out and I don't know like I'm not sure why. Like I didn't I didn't write down the crediting, but like Colin Salmon. Okay. Or I don't know if he pronounces it Salmon is the like he's like the leader of the commandos, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's that guy's done a bunch of work and is like solid in everything he does. But like I don't know, it doesn't seem like he gets shouted out very often. So here's my shout out for Colin. Um, Colin, you know, uh, I'm a, a big fan. He appeared in a bunch of like middle tier movies and TV, but he is like always great anytime he shows up. You know, he's like, he's a cop right. in Punisher Warzone. Like, it's it just like Punisher, Punisher Warzone. This was the good Punisher right. movie. The good, the second, <laughs> the, the the rare sequel that far surpassed the original. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I I agree. He he turned in a good, a pretty good performance for the the time that he was in this one. I mean, sure, like it's a horror movie, right? So like, right, not everybody's gonna make it to the end. He at least gets. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. There's a fit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I feel good. I, all right. This is great. I love. I love where we're going. I think we should probably get a little more freeform. Oh, oh okay. So we we covered the cast and the crew, yeah. which is great. We covered the the budget and the box office. Mm -hmm. All that's box office mojo. It's all widely available. You go check. You know, <laughs> double check our work if we <laughs> if need sure. be. Before we just get into it, yeah. I want to talk about the critical and audience reception, which is something I I. I uh, I don't necessarily always use this as a metric of whether I will personally enjoy a movie. Mm -hmm. And this is a prime example of of that being true, okay? Yeah. If you go on Rotten Tomatoes right right now, today, as of, as of this recording, critics gave this a 36%, which is not great. No, it's not. Audiences gave it a 67%, which is like, for an audience score, uh, you know, audiences tend to be a bit more generous with their scores. Yeah. Uh, I, I I kind of would have anticipated this being even a little bit higher for the audience. I, I wouldn't be surprised as we go through the franchise if they don't climb a little bit. At least the, the audience, audience climbs. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't anticipate the critical <laughs> score climbing. But the, it, the one thing of note here is that uh, this this movie and its sequel, which I don't, I don't know the name of because, again... Uh, maybe it's in the, it's Apocalypse. I have it later in the show. notes. Okay. Resident Evil Apocalypse. All right. Uh, they're both on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Okay. So all press is good press. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean. I don't always agree with this guy anyway. So no. <laughs> let's, let's, let's turn the screws on this Ebert character. I, let's go. I don't have any problem with, with Ebert. You know, putting it on his hated list. I think those lists are dumb. It's but not for him. Like, he's entitled to his opinion. I mean, I, like, it's not 
didn't he write like Return to Valley of the Dolls? So like, or Beyond Valley of the Dolls? So like, I, I and and that's not e- that's not even a criticism. I'm not saying like Ebert is suspect. I'm saying like there's something for everybody. Um, exactly. I'm not yes. really sure. Like, I'm not sure this movie deserves a 36. Uh, but you know, that's fine. Uh, I think the 67% audience, I'm, I'm closer to that, right? Like I, spoilers, I enjoyed this film. I wouldn't have agreed to do a podcast about all seven of them unless, well, I guess I could be a masochist, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) To some degree. Yeah. 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 So like, I don't know, like it's fine. Everybody can hate whatever they want. Yeah, but you know, I think I think that might be a little harsh. I haven't read the reviews. Maybe they have some salient points, but who knows? I'm not going to read them. It doesn't <laughs> matter. I, <laughs> I, there's, I I feel like the act of trying to criticize this movie, most zombie things, right, have very are very similar thematically, and maybe an, even from an execution standpoint. So really, it's just like, uh, did you bring anything fun or unique or novel uh, to your vision of of this, right? <laughs> and, I, and, e- and even as I say that, I don't know if these movies did, <laughs> but I still really enjoyed them. So that's- yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there you could also get into like, it's a video game film, right? So like, yes. is it, are they attaching any baggage from that? Uh, we're we're gonna talk through the plot in a second, um, and there there is a lot that happens. There is very little plot. Um, there is very little character development. Right. There is some like sort of. There is a vague attempt at social commentary, but not really. Right. So like, <laughs> like, is it socially redeeming, Roger Ebert? No, probably not. But like, I had a <laughs> lot of fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, the social commentary. It's interesting you bring that up. It feels a little shoehorned in, but I'll, you know, I'll allow it. I, you know, my eyebrow went up with like two <laughs> lines in this film, and I'm like, are we gonna? Oh, is there's this about corporations. There, is that what we're going for? There's like a really good one when they're like talking about it. We'll get to it anyway. I'm loving the energy of this. So this is very exciting. <laughs> I'm like, this has energized me for the remaining films, which is, <laughs> is it's it's great. So the way this is going to work, hopefully, I think this is, I think we kind of settled on this right before we pressed record. It's like, you'll handle the plot stuff. Yeah. I defer to you as the expert in all things <laughs> zombies. Okay. I defer to you. Sure. And then- We'll talk a little bit about some of the production stuff, which is, you know, a little bit of trivia here and there. And some of the things I caught from like behind the scenes, like the very few behind the scenes things that I watched. Yeah. Uh, And then we'll like kind of tie, I will, I will do my best to tie this back to the games, which I probably will not be able to land on all the time, but it'll be, it'll be a hell of a fun try. (laughs) So fair enough. All right. So. Look, when you're ready. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, I mean, this movie uh, starts right off the bat with opening voiceover, which is usually never a good sign. At the beginning of the 21st century, 
the Umbrella Corporation had become the largest commercial entity in the United States. Nine out of every 10 homes contain its products. Its political and financial influence is felt everywhere. In public, it is the world's leading supplier of computer technology, medical products, and healthcare. Unknown even to its own employees, its massive profits are generated by military technology, genetic experimentation, and viral weaponry. Um, and right off the bat, we kind of jump in with some action. Um, you know, the there is a a lab. Somebody is packing up some materials and like tosses one of the vials aside, uh, clearly intentionally. And there is you know alarms go off, right? This is this is clearly an attack of some type. Type, right? Those those vials were cool as shit. Right, I will say. The, the, uh, if you take away nothing else from this movie, it, what was the budget? We $33 million? Yeah. So much of it went into the production design of this movie. It is unbelievable. Clearly, none of it went to the CGI. None, zero went no, to the visual effects. Unfortunately but not. The, all of the tactile things that they interact with look awesome. Yeah. So good. I agree. It, it is a like well-designed movie for sure. Yeah. There's, uh, in the midst of this, there's a great, we meet Indra Ove, who is this, uh, is the beautiful woman with the light eyes who I fully thought was going to be a character. Uh, and then she gets in the elevator (laughs) (laughs) and there's like a great, uh, tense moment. Basically the facility's going nuts. Right. And at one point, like one of the other, other elevators just drops to the ground. Um, yeah. And there's just, there's a great tense moment in this elevator and there's a, there's a wonderful fake out. Where, like, <laughs> it was good. It was she so gets good. her head like halfway out and like, you're like, Oh, I know how this movie ends. Right. Like I know what's about to happen. And she crashes to the floor and the elevator stops right before she get there. And you're like, Oh, okay. And then it goes back up and cuts her head off. It's, it's wonderful fake out. This is a, this is a R rated movie, Yeah, but this movie feels very uh, judicious about what it chooses to show and not show in terms of gore. Like it cuts away before we see her head removed. And I, I'm sure that's a, that's solely based on the budget of the film, but I thought it was very smart. Like they didn't do anything corny. It didn't look terrible. They were just like, whatever you imagined is probably what happened to her head. Yeah. A lot of it feels like they were shooting for a PG 13. Potentially. Yeah. So like most of the gruesome violence you see is done against like the creatures, right. Or zombies. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, there's always that, like that counter or interplay where like, is it better to show it or not show it? And in this case, it's a, it's just well played. Yeah. We, so I want to be clear up front. We never fully meet anyone. We go through this whole movie, never actually learning Mila Jovovich's character's name, uh-huh. but we meet a character whose name is Lisa. She's played by Heike uh, Makach from Love Actually. Oh yeah. Who, like seems to know something and something is going on. Uh, and then we cut to black and what we come back up on is Mila Jovovich naked in a shower. She is passed mm-hmm. out. And we learn through, uh, through like various visual cues that she seems to have amnesia. 
She doesn't know where she is, who she is, what she's doing there. She does one of my favorite movie tricks that I've never heard an actual person do, which is she picks up a note and she writes the same thing under it to see if the handwriting matches. Yes. As I've only ever seen that in movies. It, like, like it's, it's wonderful. It's one of those weird, like little particular tropes. It just reinforces the amnesia in a, in a quick, like a very short, qu- like quick way. You're like, yep. Okay. Yeah. She's verifying it's not her. The visual writing. shorthand here is on point, right? Like there's no dialogue. She doesn't say, who am I? Where am I? We just see her encounter a couple of things and we put it together. Yeah. She throws on this dope ass dress that was laid out for her. <laughs> It's got like an asymmetrical cut to it, with, and then she puts a pair of shorts under it. And I only bring that up, A, because it's a cool visual in this movie. Yeah. But it's interesting to see her her wardrobe change throughout the films. It gets significantly uh, more bul- like bulky. Well, it gets bulky for a little bit. We're talking like tactical vests and <laughs> right. stuff for a little bit. <laughs> right. and, then it, and then the pendulum swings back the other way towards something, not quite this, but closer. Yeah. And at that point, uh, there's kind of a, a an attack on wherever she is. Some she's in some sort of villa, and a bunch of like masked special forces guys come in. Uh, there's this like random white dude who identifies himself as a cop. We'll come to learn his name is Matt. Um, yeah. and they they basically sort of scare Mila. They're like, you know, you should report. She has no idea what the hell they're talking about. So they move on. They open a secret passage um, to the first thing that seems really video gamey to me, which is under this villa is a train, right? <laughs> uh-huh. So they go. You down, don't have a train under your villa? Eric? <laughs> I don't go, understand. Go down this secret passage and get on a train. Um, this feels so much like a video game that I really want to ask you later if it's in one of the games, right? Oh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> they, they, uh, they have on the train. Um, there's a, there's a jump scare, like kind of our first big jump scare of the movie. And someone literally calls it out, which I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Um, it was so good. And then there's another one in a moment where we meet another random white guy, uh, who might be married to Mila Jovovich. Uh, everybody has amnesia, so nobody's sure what the hell is going on. Uh, yeah. We will learn his name is Spence, and he's played by James Purefoy. Mm-hmm. We get, they they take the train through the cutscene and <laughs> end up uh, at like their their gates, right? And this is where we get our first like big exposition dump top-secret research facility owned and operated by the Umbrella Corporation. The hive houses over 500 technicians, scientists, and support staff. They live and work underground. Their research is of the highest importance. Its nature is classified. Our position on the map is indicated by heat signature. These heat signatures represent us. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, it's, of course. It's also super video gamey, right? Like, it's it, like, yeah. here is your map, right? Yeah. <laughs> you Objective. It's like, here's the objective flashing. You got, we 100%. must get here. Yeah. So what we learn is, uh, of course, they're doing all kinds of shady shit down there. 
Something yeah. happened. Nobody knows what. We know what. We saw it in the cold open of the movie. But they don't know what. The whole place went on lockdown, and these commandos are in there to, like, find out what is what. Right? Yeah. Um, so they they enter the, the building and make their way through the complex. And... The very first thing we see, actually, when they get in the complex is the room with the elevator where we saw the woman get her head chopped off, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, like, they explain to us that those those windows that we saw in the background are fake. It makes people feel better about working underground. I don't know who came up with this idea. I've seen it in, like, three or four sci-fi movies. It's real weird to me, but maybe it's something people actually do. I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, like, I guess, it's, like... It's come up on more than one, like, sci-fi story. I remember... I, I seem to remember when I saw this like in theaters, I was like, wow, that's a pretty novel idea. But I mean, I guess it's like a psych out. It, yeah. And it's maybe a great, that would encourage you. It's a great storytelling fake out, but I'm not sure right. if it holds up like from the science holds up. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's cool. It's actually cool a little bit later on in the movie when things go to hell and you, you you're, you're like looking out those windows and it's all messed up. Like, uh, like the lights don't quite, you don't see, you see like the illusion is broken a little yeah. bit. It's, it's like a cool thing that they just happen to have in the background also. It's nice. They go from the elevators through the hallway where the labs were. Um, the labs are all flooded from the first scene. Um, mm -hmm. We see the, there's a, a woman floating in there. There's a little jump scare from that. And as they walk away, we get the classic jump scare of somebody presumed dead opening their eyes. Oh. I thought it was handled pretty well. It's was, it was pretty creepy. Yeah. They like right? it was like a a speedy. Yeah, like you know, it's like they did, they did some speed ramping or something. But yeah, it worked. It was yeah. good. They make their way through another chamber where there's just a bunch of like large industrial boxes full of frozen somethings, and like. <laughs> We all know this is going to go horribly wrong. So, like, uh -huh. clearly the frozen this, somethings are bad. Yeah, is this dining hall B we're in? Right. Is that what I think exactly. They <laughs> it's such a it was such a weird choice. Like, again, I wondered if that was in the video game. That um, wasn't. No. Okay. <laughs> that was just a weird choice. Okay. <laughs> Um, as we make our way through, uh, they there's a little more exposition about the Red Queen, right? So this movie <laughs> leverages a little bit of like uh, Alice in Wonderland imagery. It'll come up a couple of different times. Yeah. Weirdly, the protagonist's name is Alice, and they never tell us that. But right. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, one thing I didn't point out that that happens very early in the movie is and, and we're constantly getting a a video camera view of events with like readouts mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. If you watch enough sci-fi, you you've probably already established that there's probably some sort of malevolent intelligence behind it, but they establish that here, right? The Red Queen is an yeah. AI. She's the one that shut everything down. So now we have to go turn her off so like we can get to the bottom of things, right? Yeah. She killed everybody. She killed we everybody. I don't know why. Yep. Uh, we get our first set piece here. Uh, it is the hallway of lasers. So I wrote down here uh, 
Level five weapon system activated is the screen that pops up when the lasers come on. Are you worried like what level six is or? Yeah, I mean, is level five the end, right? (laughs) Could there be anything more ridiculous or extreme than this safety measure? Is really I'm, what I'm worried about. I'm thinking it goes one to five, and like five it is prob- the highest. I hope but five I don't is know. the end. Yeah, it escalates quickly. It does. It does. So uh, they're they you know walking through a hallway to get to the Red Queen. The doors lock on them, and then there's lasers. Um, so you know, it, I, I like the escalation. I, it, like yeah. I, I just think it's like it's it's a weirdly beautiful scene, right? Like. Uh, they figure out what's going on just a little bit too late and the first person gets decapitated. Uh, the next laser's coming and they're like, okay, we know what's going on. The guy jumps to jump over it. The computer just moves the laser up and cuts him in half. Oh my God. <laughs> it was such, such, they did that guy so dirty, man. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's good, right? Like It was. He was like, I'll jump it. I got this. Uh, this this challenge in a video game would be all about timing, right? Like, yeah. okay, this one's coming, so I jump up, and then I duck, and then I jump, and then I duck, and the computer's like, nah, fuck that. I'll just, I'll, I'll still kill you, right? <laughs> yes. And then poor Colin Salmon meets his end here. Uh, you know, he's like trying to figure out what his move is, right? He jumps up uh, and and... And misses one. It just cuts off like his his knife. He jumps down yeah. and he's ready for the next one. And the grid just rotates into a giant piece of like laser graph paper. Oh. And, and to add like tension to the scene, on the other side of the door, some of the heroes that are left are trying to stop the machine. And they're almost there. We've got a little countdown clock, right? And they get it stopped, but it's too late. <laughs> Colin Salmon has been Julianne in the middle of this hallway. It's another one of the times where they they use like I think is very judicious uh, use of your imagination. You see him kind of crumble in almost like a reflection, and you're like, "That's disgusting." He yeah. is just a pile of viscera on the floor, but you never see it. Yeah, like, and it was like, "Well done, well done." Yeah, I mean, like, they even have to go back through that hallway, right? Like, they still, they decide they still have to finish their mission. And you don't really yeah. see, like, piles of blood and guts. Like, it's just yeah. implied. They they get the doors open, whatever. They shut down the level five security system, and they make it into the computer room. The computer talks to them. It is, again, a favorite trope of mine, which is, like, creepy ghost girl in this case she's a hologram but like she's a creepy <laughs> ghost girl right like that that's yeah. what it is get out get out you can't be in here don't listen to anything she says she's a holographic representation of the red queen you have to get out modeled after the head programmer's daughter she tried to deceive us confuse us i wouldn't advise this disabling me will result in loss of primary power don't say anything to stop us from shutting her down <laughs> I implore you. Implore away. Please. Please. You're all going to die down here. Kids are creepy. I don't trust them. I don't trust a goddamn word they say. We we get the the trailer line. You're all gonna die down here. 
which is just even creepier coming from a small child. It's great. They shut down the computer. They use like an EMP, right? So like everything shuts down and then it reboots, right? And we cut to various places in the facility where like, oh, the doors are unlocking and the rooms are draining and whatever. Like, isn't that great? But like, it's a horror movie. We know this probably wasn't a great idea, right? It's a little bit like turning off the containment grid in Ghostbusters. Like, this was this was probably bad, right? Yeah. They make their way back to the the room where all of the the frozen boxes of whatever are, and now it's a zombie movie, right? Like, correct. Thus far, Finally. it's kind of been like an actiony heisty type of thing, right? It is a straight up zombie movie right now. Like a couple come in and then a lot come in. And then we have like a big ass music cue. I forgot to mention Marilyn Manson is a composer in this movie. There's a lot of like new metal happening in 2002. And they, oh. they put it right in this movie, right? It's right in the movie. Yeah. Right in the movie. So there's, there's like a bunch of like, you know, fight scenes and whatever um through all of this and i i failed to mention this earlier alice is like slowly getting her memory back she keeps having these like sepia toned flashbacks where she's remembering (laughs) bits and pieces of things um they always seem to be at inopportune times. Like she has one in the middle of the zombie fight. Yeah. Just zoning out. They are literally being flooded with zombies. She's like, it's time for to remember, you know, there's a, there's a point where they're like trying to get a door open and they use one of my favorite zombie movie tropes, which is like, break the door open, open it up. Nope. It's already full of zombies. Love that. Yeah. The other side is (laughs) what do we got here? Oh, more zombos. Uh, so we lose a couple of people there. I mean, like this movie isn't big on character. They're kind of red shirts. I honestly couldn't tell you which ones we lose at this point. Yeah. I think it's worth noting. This is our first bite, right? I mean, literally again, you're right up until it, I think I have this written down roughly 40 minutes before we get like a horde of zombies. Yeah, I can confirm. It it was 40 minutes into the movie, yeah. Uh, One of our lovely protagonists is bitten. It's true. Which is, you hate to see it. (laughs) It's Michelle Rodriguez's character, Rain. Yeah. I'm like, no, I forgot about this. (laughs) Why? Yeah. Now the rules, now the timer. Now we have another timer. Well, we do and we don't, right? Like- we don't know enough about it yet. Yeah. So we just, we know she got bitten, right? And mm-hmm. the audience knows these are zombies. They right. haven't fully established that in the world of the movie. Right. So there's some walking around. We cut away after they leave this room and a CGI monstrosity breaks out of its cell. This is the worst CG in the movie. A lot of the other... CG of this same exact monster is covered by like the fact that they're like in a dark hallway or it's like up on a roof or like cutting through the train or whatever. Yeah. This just looks like ass. I don't know if you experienced that too, but I was watching, I wasn't like watching a 4k version or anything, (laughs) but I mean, I was like, wow, this did not hold up. It's, 
and to your point, like they, they work with it later, but like, this seems to be like the hero shot, like, Hey fans, here's that <laughs> thing you were waiting for. Right. Uh-huh. So they uh-huh. show it in its entirety and it, it just looks like garbage and like, it does. It is 2002. And this is true of a lot of early 2000 movies. How did we like take a step back in CGI? Right. Like Jurassic Park was 1993. Like how, how did CGI go downhill before it came back up again? I don't well, know. Well, this thing, this thing specifically. So I could say that this is, this is a creature in the games and it's not like in this movie, they made it seem like this is like, I don't know if every one of those tanks had one of these in it, but this, this creature is uh, lovingly referred to as a licker due to its very long tongue, very original. Sure. And given like the environment that we were in, this really could have benefited from an approach that like Ridley Scott had in Alien, you know? Like it's this muscly, slimy fucking thing. And it's like, they should have just kept this thing in shadow until later. <laughs> like, it, I think it, it was like a, a missed opportunity, but I kind of also get where they're like, ta-da! It like totally yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah. this is these are the stakes now, you know? I feel like if they got 40 minutes into the movie and hadn't like showed you a monster from the game, like the fans might've rebelled. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who is this for? I get it. Mila is wandering around. She wanders into one of the labs. She kills a human zombie and has another one of her flashbacks. In this flashback, she realizes she's a badass. So she like steals the dead zombie's gun. And when she, she is confronted by zombie dogs, this movie has zombie dogs, which is great. Yeah, it does. Uh, one of the things that I remember from my very limited information about resident evil is that these zombie dogs are from the game. They are. Yeah. Uh, they are like very early in the first game. Yeah. Like zombie Dobermans. And they were clearly like test subjects in the lab and they've been infected by the T virus. Well, I'm sorry. We don't know that yet. They are zombies. Oh, right. Here's what I'll say. I th- I don't know if you agree with this, right? When we see the first dog, it's kind of a cool, you hear like clicks happening and you, we don't know quite what it is, but it's, in, you're, we're in the kennels or whatever. So, you know, you're like, Oh, probably going to be a dog. Yeah. And when it comes around, I think that was an actual dog and they just covered him in some crazy, like, it looks like they just draped prosciutto all over him, like meat. (laughs) Yes. And that looked great. Like it looked, it was like practically. The dogs are a hundred percent practical. Yeah. It's such a jar. Like we just saw the liquor and now we see these dogs and the dogs look amazing. Mm-hmm. And the liquor look like absolute shit. It's just wild to me. I did have, I did happen to catch like some movie trivia and it would not surprise me at all that apparently the dogs kept trying to lick off all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was apparently that problem, but yes, the dogs were back. That's the hardest. Yeah, that was the hardest problem they had to fight that day. They're like, "Come on, focus, focus." <laughs> Just another random dog story. Sorry. Apparently, the Saint Bernards used in Cujo, they had to tie their tails down because you could see them wagging in all the shots because they were having so much fun. So never work with dogs. <laughs> we talked about this with the thing, with the where they're like they're they're hap- they're so happy that they're doing such a good job yeah, that they're you yeah. know. 
They're like, like I'm going to get a snack. I get a it. Fun that's fun for them. Yeah. Yeah. So now that Millen knows she's a badass, she like shoots down like six dogs and the last dog, she does like a full on matrix, like wall run spinning kick, right? <laughs> Kicks it right in the head, right in the face. <laughs> So like we we now know she's a badass. She knows she's a badass. She still hasn't gotten her full memory yet back yet. Yeah. Um, but she knows that like she can kick some butt. Uh, we switch over to Matt, the cop, who turns out not to be a cop. Um, he's just looking for his sister Lisa. That's the one we saw at the end of the cold open, who like looked like she might know something was going on. Yeah. Um, Turns out she was trying to expose the Umbrella Corporation. And through flashbacks, we learned she was working with Mila's character. I don't, I don't know if this is like a twist. They, they play it as one. I don't really give a shit, but like. I d- Who cares? Yeah. There were no stakes for this lady at all. Exactly. Like, and then she. Sh- so, yeah, as all of this happens, she shows up and Mila has to kill her with a paperweight or something. Right. So like, yes, Matt not only just learns his sister is a zombie, but then the zombie is killed with a paperweight and he mourns not at all. (laughs) Right. He's like, this is, he's like, but here's what's going on. I know this thing happened, but corporations are bad. Yeah. And this, this is the, the aforementioned like weird sort of social stuff, which leads to one of my favorite exchanges in the film, which is, There's no way I could have infiltrated the hive. So you sent your sister? We needed something concrete. Anything to expose Umbrella to the press. Prove the research that was going on down here. What kind of research? The illegal kind. (laughs) The illegal kind! Right. It was... All right, sure. I guess. Yeah. In this sequence, we also get one of my favorite uh, rhetorical questions that people ask in movies, and that Uh is, do you have any idea how much blank would be worth on the open market? (laughs) Which is just such a fucking random question because they're usually talking about some sort of like weird MacGuffin that has no market value that makes any sense. But I love every time somebody asks that question. You you literally just learned about its existence. <laughs> yeah. It, no other objects of this type exist, right? Right. Michelle Rodriguez's character reveals that they have a time clock. The doors are sealing in an hour, right? Yeah. Um, and they know that it's kind of a, a bit of a maze. So decide to go back and turn the Red Queen on because maybe now she'll help them. <laughs> Which is just a wild decision. But back to the wet Red Queen who's wired up with like a final kill switch. Um, And we get like a kind of our, you know, final info dump, which is uh, some science gobbledygook about why the T-virus creates zombies. Yeah. Um, We confirm classic zombie trope, which is you have to remove the head or destroy the brain to kill them. And she sends them on their way with like a sort of general promise to help them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We go through some random shit, right? I mean, it's just like a tunnel escape and like we lose some more guys. Like there's, there's, (laughs) 
go ahead. The pipe walk? The pipe the walk? The pipe walk, yep. <laughs> okay, so the, the tunnel thing, all I got to say is if you find yourself in a zombie movie, uh, you know, if you find yourself in a zombie situation that is anything like Resident Evil, never give up because I wrote this down. Both Rain and Kaplan, who is one of the only other, he's like another random white guy who just happens to survive. He was also bitten at one point. They are literally overrun. They are under zombies. Yep. And then you a scene later, they're there. And it's just like, how, how did this happen? What? Yeah. How is Kaplan okay? It I doesn't mean, make any sense. That Kaplan thing, like, is just a bad fake out and feels a little bit like a rewrite, right? Like, Kaplan is under some zombies. He does the classic, pull out my bullets and I only have one left. Obviously, he is going to take his own life rather than get eaten by zombies. We, we cut away. We hear the gunshot. And then when we cut back, we find out that Kaplan fired his gun at the zombies. Apparently, one bullet was enough to get rid of most of them <laughs> and has, like, climbed back up the pipe. He's like, you're going to have to work for your dinner, right? Like, Yeah. And he was like, that was after he tells, he's like, guys, leave me. Go. And not even, like, if he just climbed up the pipe behind him. It was just like another vent. He's, he could have just been like, I'm going to climb up here. Mate, I'll go left. I'll meet you guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it just gave up too easy. I it mean, just gave up too easy. It, it is a little bit of a trope in zombie movies. They're like someone sacrifices themselves, right? And that's not even just zombie movies. Like in Aliens, like, you know, Gorman sacrifices himself, like those kind of things. So like, mm -hmm. that's why I feel like that was how that scene was supposed to end. And then they were like, wait, how do we get them out of this thing later? Oh, he's still alive. Paul W.S. Anderson was like, oh, shit, Kaplan had the thing. <laughs> yeah. the, th uh, the thing that we need. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, through all of this, you know, we get various bad CGI shots of the thing stalking uh -huh. through the facility. Oh. But Alice has another flashback, which conveniently has some exposition about the virus. She has a flashback where she realizes there is an antivirus that was tested on a, wait for it, white rabbit. That's right. Wonderland hey. imagery. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and then also as part of this, like, flashes on Spence, blah, blah, blah. Spence reveals that, like, he was the one that stole and released the virus. Right? He was going to sell it. It was dueling flashbacks. It was. I like, was like, what is she, happening right now? She had one of this, and he walks up to her, and some, and then it triggers one of his flashbacks. It's like they touch, and she transfers the flashback. <laughs> and then it's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's yeah. basically what it was. <laughs> yeah, like you learn more about their backstory. None of it matters, right? Like It doesn't. Yeah. Spence is monologuing and us up behind him very quietly. I don't yeah. know why this one zombie is quiet, uh, but no one tells him, of course, and it attacks him. But he gets away and he locks them in this room. At this point, the Red Queen chimes in and literally like deus ex machina kills Spence. 
She's like, I've got this and somehow sends the liquor to kill him. Just, <laughs> just like at, at no point have we seen her controlling the liquor, right? Like no. she just like let him out. I'm not even sure she let him out. No, he like broke out because of the gunfire in the in the frozen t- box room yeah. like 40 minutes ago, you know? Yeah. He's, he, I, I don't know. I don't know. The liquor kills Spence. Uh, we learn that once they taste fresh DNA, they mutate. <laughs> I don't know what that doesn't seem germane to anything, um, but it it mutates in bad CGI. Oh yeah. The the our like main crew is still stuck in this room. They watch Spence get killed on a monitor. Um, our crew is stuck in this room, and the Red Queen promises to let them out, but they have to kill Michelle Rodriguez, which I thought was like, I thought the red queen's motivation might've been the most consistent thing about this movie. Like she is just trying to prevent the spread of the T virus, right? It really is that simple. It's which is interesting. Her her directive is keep it contained. Yeah. That's it. Because like, I remember her as the villain of this movie and she's really not. No, not at all. (laughs) like at all they they called it like it was i do remember now that you had mentioned it even in i think vaguely in the trailers but even in this movie they're like it's a homicidal ai and it's like no not really all of these people were already going to die yeah like yeah like it is literally just doing like containment procedures (sighs) so the red queen requires them to kill michelle rodriguez mila says no but with her axe like she smashes the monitor and surprise Kaplan is well we knew he wasn't dead we saw him get away but like he fries the red queen with their like leftover EMP um, yeah and the door opens Beautiful bastard yeah uh, and they get to the train and Spence is a zombie of course and Mila gets to like kill him in a satisfying manner <sighs> So good. I'm missing you already. Michelle Rodriguez gets the antivirus, but it's too late. No, wait, no, it's not. She's okay. It's like the weirdest, like 15 second fake out where you think she's dead and then she's not. But of course, the CGI monster attacks the train, right? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good train fight, although. The CGI is really noticeable in here. Oof. Oof. It's bad. The monster like scratches Matt and there's a fight. And But oh wait, no, Michelle Rodriguez is dead now. <laughs> and she's a zombie. They, they kill her. Well, Mila kills her. They drop the CGI monster out of the bottom of the train using like a... There's no reason for this thing to exist on a train except we saw it earlier. <laughs> The bottom of the train just completely opens. For, it's a fucking train. You're not dropping bombs out of it, but right, it's like a it's, bomb door. Uh-huh. Uh, for some reason, the monster catches fire. Like uh-huh. I, I could not figure out why, <laughs> but it did. He touched the third rail, probably. Right, I right. guess it was, it was a subway accident. <laughs> they get back to the house. Uh, and Matt like starts changing. Um, but before we can like really see what's happening, like scientists like 
take over the house and they they take Matt and and Mila away. Um, they yeah. make mention that Matt should be in the Nemesis program, which I assume is some more fan service. I want to stop you. I'm glad you brought it up. Oh my gosh. Let me just say that for a Resident Evil fan, when you say the word nemesis program, that's essentially like Nick Fury showing up at the end of Iron Man. You know what I'm saying? I kind of figured what, that, yeah. Uh, that's what we're talking about here. I want him in the nemesis program. It's a thing that pays off much later. I, I, I remember it pays off in the films, but like, not really. But anyway. No, not particularly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I thought it was such, in retrospect, it was such a confident calling of the shot. Like, I can't believe that Paul W.S. Anderson was like, this is going to be so good. They're going to give me a sequel where I get to explore. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like. So weird. So weird. Sure. Uh, and then we, like, flash to uh, Mila wakes up naked again in a testing mm -hmm. room. It's very Fifth Element. Um, you know, she's, like, wearing nothing but, like, bandages kind of thing. Uh, there's like a, a shot where we sort of discover that there seem to be zombies wherever she is. And like, at this point, I'm like, there's five movie minutes left in this goddamn movie. Like what is happening? Right. Yeah. She is sort of like wanders out. We, we sort of through context clues, realize she's in a hospital. She goes out the front door. She's in a city. Um, there is a, I think a raccoon city news or something like that newspaper that says yeah. the dead walk. I will tell you right now, that is a clear homage to day of the dead. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And then like, she like realizes that, you know, the apocalypse has happened and she takes a shotgun out of a cop car and she cocks it in the middle of this apocalypse and then we cut to Slipknot over the end credits. Slipknot takes us, play us out, Slipknot, you know, play That's, us out. I mean, to be fair, it's the song My Plague, which is a, it's a good choice. Thematically, like, okay, yeah. get it. But like, there's a, there's, like I said, there's a lot of new metal in yeah. <sighs> It's tough. Yeah. I think, again, those, the, the resolving, you know, five, maybe eight minutes of this movie is it's, it's got a lot of confidence because if this were to stop after this movie, terrible, <laughs> it's a terrible ending to him is you're like, well, I guess, I guess she's in this world now. We well, know nothing. Yeah. Like, like relating it to a video game, it feels like the cold open of a video game, right? Yeah. Like we really, if you, if you've played a triple a game in the last 10 years, one of them probably started with like your character waking up somewhere and wandering outside and discovering everything went wrong. Right. Yeah. And then the title <laughs> hits. They don't roll credits at that point. Right. That's how the walking dead starts. Yeah. Rick, <laughs> you know, like we get it. It's, it's cool though. So yes, it is very ballsy. Like he, he felt very sure of himself, which good for him. It turned out to be true. Yeah. I don't, it's, 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 it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. I want to dive into a quick segment really quickly. I yeah. think I know what it is. Yeah. All right. This segment is going to be the best kill. These movies, as they go on, have ridiculous 
ridiculous, they get increasingly more ridiculous, the kills. Yeah. But in this movie, I think it's pretty clear. But I'd like to hear what you believe the best kill in this movie is. Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely the laser hallway. Like it's got to be the laser it, hallway. It's just, <laughs> Come on, it's novel. We hadn't we hadn't really seen something like that before. Like we we had, if you're like a horror fan, but like in just a straight up kind of actiony movie like this, like yeah, that was pretty cool. It was. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. There, I would say the only other cool, particularly cool thing was the thing that you mentioned with the dog where she runs up the wall and kicks it in the head. But that's like, that's a, there are a lot of moments of her being a badass yeah. throughout this movie, but they're, sh- they're like short bursts. It's like, here's a kick. Here's like a run up the wall, you know, that sort of thing. But the laser hallway, come on. I'll, I'll give an honorable mention to that, that elevator fake out. That was yeah. really well done. You know, they, they got that door open about eight inches. Maybe. Maybe. And she's like, I can squeeze through. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, ins- you're an insane person. <laughs> I, I don't have any personal fears of elevators, but like, yeah, I, I'm never going to like crawl out of a broken one unless there's a fireman involved. Right. Like, I don't absolutely. Know. Yeah. You got to give me some assurances. <laughs> We've seen that in like, you know, the, the elevator, th- um, speed also had that kind of elevator thing happening a little bit, you know? And I, you know, I think movies have conditioned me to fear exiting, uh, e- well, egressing an elevator <laughs> that is caught between floors, I should say. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. that's all. I don't think I actually fear it. I just, <laughs> yeah. just the movies have, have spoiled me. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's an entire horror movie, Dutch, called The Lift, and it's just about a killer elevator. I'm going to add it to the list. I've never heard of it. I love it deeply already. Honestly, I I think there might even be an American remake. So check it out. Ah, The lift. Okay. I wrote it down. It'll probably be on Plex tonight. So so this is going to be interesting. Yeah. I I just want to run down some of these production notes. These are just things that I found across the internet. Uh, some of it's from IMDb, some of it's from Wikipedia and then other parts. I found an article on a very old article on Fangoria and a couple other sites about this movie. Mm -hmm. Cause I was just super fucking curious how this came to be. It's the, the inception's wild. Uh, George Romero, George A. Romero, you know, (laughs) Night of the Living Dead. He was going to write and direct this movie, which is just bonkers to me. Just absolutely bonkers. Do you know how they brought him in? I don't really know. I mean, I know that the original game, they were highly inspired by Night of the Living Dead. You know, a lot of that. Sure. Like, George Romero is sort of the the godfather of the contemporary zombie movie, right? Yeah. Everybody sort of owes a debt to him. You know, Shaun of the Dead is riddled with Romero references, like, 100%. George Romero, however directed a commercial for Bioshock or for uh, uh, Resident Evil 2 in Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So before they came to him for the film, he like, they had a mutual admiration kind of thing. And he was like, I'll shoot a commercial for in Japan. It's called biohazard. 
it's not called Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go on YouTube and look up like George Romero Biohazard 2 commercial, you can see his live action commercial for the video game. Absolutely wild. Yeah. We will link it in the show notes. <laughs> I'm excited. I have another thing to watch now. There you go. <laughs> Much yeah. shorter. In Romero's version, game fans would know uh, his version had Jill Valentine, who was the pr- one of the protagonists of the first game as the lead. And then some of the casting that we're about to get into is beyond me. Jill Valentine was originally uh, screen tested by Jennifer Love Hewitt, Kirsten Dunst, and Natasha Henstridge. And they said the big problem that all of those actresses had was the level of violence and nudity. <laughs> and I just could not see Jennifer Love Hewitt or Kirsten Dunst in these roles uh, in these films, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess Jennifer Love Hewitt had done some horror at that point. So, like, yeah, there's probably, like, a short list, right? Like, of, like, well, you know, she did I Know What You Did Last Summer and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it is It is wild to think of this movie with her in it. Um, maybe she pulls a Sarah Michelle Geller and, and turns into a badass. Who knows, you know, but so uh, in other news here, Mila said the reason, the main reason she wanted to do this movie was because her brother Marco loved the video games, which I think is very sweet and, and maybe not the best reason to get into a franchise, but also cool. I guess it worked for me. At least it worked. Uh, and speaking of Sarah Michelle Geller, she was originally supposed to be Alice, but the violence and the nudity is kind of the uh, the stumbling block for her as well. I mean, that tracks. It is it is weird to me that the nudity would be a stumbling block because it seems like something that could have been so easily removed. Yeah. It's um, like it might as well not even be there, really. Yeah, like I don't know if like Anderson had final cut and he was like, no, it's absolutely staying. <laughs> I feel or, like or he would. had to have had Final Cut for it. I don't know. It just feels weird. It's just a weird thing for negotiations to break down on. And like violence, like, I don't know, the video game existed. So you, you kind of knew what you were getting in for there. But Yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, uh, she had informed her agent before the script was ever written that if a Resident Evil movie was to happen, that she wanted to be a part of it, which is... Very, very cool to me. <laughs> like, I know that yeah, her and that. Vin are like huge nerds, you know, from yeah. Fast and the Furious. So that's very cool. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody like has their like, I don't want to call it a passion project, but just like something they're really into. And they're yeah. like, ooh, I want to be a part of that. Right? Like, I'm a fan of it. Yeah. So, yeah, totally makes sense. This kind of ties into something you had mentioned. Uh, Sony Pictures had hoped to make the film PG 13. <laughs> But, like, Paul W.S. Anderson was like, no, it has to be a hard R. <laughs> like, he he insisted. And I I don't know. I guess at the time, maybe he had enough clout to insist to a studio. But just feels wild now to, to have that, like, no, it's going to be an R. Yeah. Like, I mean, at this point, he had done... Mortal Kombat, which mm-hmm. made a lot of money for everybody. Yeah. And then he'd done Event Horizon and Soldier, which are two movies I like adore. 
but I don't recall them doing particularly well. No, so not really. It is a little wild that like he would have any kind of of clout when it came to production, but uh, he he clearly did, right? He knew like, somebody. He knew somebody. You know, people were turning it down because of plot elements, and he was like, nope, it stays. So <laughs> We don't need them. We yeah. don't need them. Yeah. Who made this movie? Was it like independent or was it? I feel like it was Sony that put these out. It looks like it was a German production for the first one, though. So yeah, I think Sony did. picked it like, up. But yeah, maybe yeah. that checks out. Maybe he did have that kind of clout. Okay. This movie, uh, Paul and Mila uh, became engaged a year after this movie. So there you go. Sure did. They're still together, and they just made another video game movie. They made Monster Hunter. Yeah, twenty almost 20 years later. Still, yeah. still at it. Back at it like a bad habit, as they say. <laughs> And then finally, uh, the successful opening weekend among uh, it spiked. It spiked video, like people started buying up video game properties. Now again, let me just revisit our notes here. Seventeen point one million dollar opening weekend, which is more. Well, it's it's basically half the budget in the first weekend, which is that's quite good. So studios bought up uh, properties like Doom, Silent Hill, and Max Payne. Uh, and, and, uh, none of those were good in my opinion. <laughs> so Silent Hill, there might be a case for it. I mean, yeah, like we still haven't, I would argue haven't gotten a really good video game movie, right? Like, it, yeah, no, that's, it sucks to say, right? The closest we've come is like Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. which was <laughs> pretty funny, and mostly forgettable, but it, but it wasn't outright terrible. So yeah, I guess yeah. like there there are some that I like, um, but like they they never seem to be able to figure out sort of like what what the balance or where the line is, right? Like yes. I don't know. It, it it's a weird thing because like as video video games as a as a medium have become more like films. Yeah. You know, like I was joking the other day that like I had I'd been a while since I'd played a Metal Gear game, so I put in Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> You're like, wow. And you play that game for like three hours and you're mostly watching that game. Right. Like <laughs> Yeah. Kojima basically wrote a movie that you get to walk around. In. So like it's funny to me that we haven't been able to make the transition the the other direction. Right. It's like they're borrowing just a high level concept and then they're they're not taking the the actual DNA of what makes it of what people connect with. Yeah. Not to get off on too much of a tangent, but we are right on the verge, not right on the verge, but we are close to seeing some, maybe a trailer or something for HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us, which I am mm -hmm. very excited for, but also like cautious about because it is an incredible game. But, uh, and in fairness, I think, a video game like that is actually best adapted to a series uh, rather than yeah. trying to like smash it all into two hours or 
three movies or whatever, we might be on the cusp of like them finally figuring it out. <laughs> like, oh, it, you know, it's the characters and the the environments and the set pieces. It's like, you know, I don't want to say rip it off whole cloth, but like the 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 source material is quite good. So just but go for even, it. Even that is an outlier, right? Like yeah. there aren't a ton of games like Last of Us. Correct. Yeah. And and it's not really like an action game. Like Last of Us is kind of interactive storytelling. Um so like like yes, I am excited for it as well even though I could never finish that video game because the goddamn part where I have to start up a generator and run around, <laughs> I can't seem to beat it. But like uh-huh. But like, yeah, like I, I am excited for that. I'm not sure. Like, it's interesting that it had to go that far, right? Like we had to choose a video game that was almost already a movie, but maybe that's what it takes. We'll see. Yeah. I think they could backfill. Uh, some some franchises they've chosen, unfortunately, are, you know, they'll have to rest a while. I think Assassin's Creed is a great series. It's got some great ideas, but... They that Michael Fassbender thing that happened is not. I don't know what happened, so we can't we can't go back to that. Well, so there's that. Yeah, I hadn't seen that movie, but it sounded like most of the movie took place in the part of the video game you didn't like, and I was like, well, that's a weird choice. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's the simplest thing. It's the it's the yeah. thing we go to the game for, and they're like, like, how about we how about we put it in the present. Like I, no. I, I didn't even know that like framing device existed. To be honest with you, people were like, "So when you play the game, here's how you get to the past." And I was like, "Oh, who gives a shit about that? You're just in the past killing people." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, that's why you play. That's not what the movie's about." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Right. Let's let's why go to why go to Mesopotamia? Who gives a shit? <laughs> no, well, actually, let's see depressed prisoner Michael Fassbender. Yeah." Marion Cotillard can't help either. It was sad. <laughs> I was sad to watch that movie. It made me real sad. So we've talked about the film, but I've never played a Resident Evil game. Yeah. And I mentioned some of the parts where I, like it felt very gamey, right? Like mm-hmm. there were there were things that like felt like a mission, uh, felt like, you know, your HUD and your map and those kind of things. Yeah. But like how much of this movie actually ties into the game universe? <sighs> they it's some broad strokes, let me tell you. <laughs> I think he does a good job of establishing a world. So I'll give him props for that. Like it's very clear to me that he played the games, at least like the first three, and he was like, I love these games. <laughs> Let me try. So at a very high level, let me say that Alice, uh, Mila Jovovich's character, does not exist in the games, in any of them, and never has. So that's, right. that's kind of a cool thing, I think. We're not treading familiar territory there. It's like, I liken it to Daryl in The Walking Dead. Like, that dude did not exist in the comics, you know, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. He was like a wild yeah. card. This movie and the first game, they it does take place in Raccoon City, which is just described as like a Midwestern town, right? We don't really have a sense of, we know that there are like some mountains nearby and some forests. So it could be like 
maybe it could, some people are like, maybe it's like middle Pennsylvania could be like, we don't, we don't really know for sure. We just, it's like nebulous on purpose. The first game takes place in um, a place called the Spencer Mansion. So I'm guessing Spencer is a callback. The character named Spencer is a callback to that. And there is a mansion in this, but it's not quite right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there is an underground lab in the mansion, but uh, it's not what it's not what we experienced. It's not this huge underground city. It's literally like you know, a couple rooms with some puzzles to open the doors. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Puzzles. Wait. There aren't a lot of puzzles in this movie. There are no puzzles, as far as I as far as I could tell. No puzzles. Yeah. Sometimes like, you have you know, some, a lot of cranks, a lot of cogs. That's a feature of the game, right? Oh yeah. It's always like, okay. you know, uh, put these put st- you know organize things in a particular way, or there'll be like paintings that are missing on the wall that you'll have to retrieve, and it's very kind of esoteric puzzling that that happens it's sometimes you're rerouting power to different parts you're always looking for different keys to open different doors it's a lot they they kind of just like they're like fuck that (laughs) i mean i don't think this movie needs a lot of that but like it would be nice if they like oh this i have to do this yeah but no okay I want to say that later movies have like little Easter eggs that are nods to those things, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. In the games, Umbrella is indeed the shady organization behind all of this. And their role is, is similar in that they are a, a pharmaceutical company, uh, front facing that also has this shady R and D department that develops like bioweapons and stuff like that. So that, that tracks, that tracks. Yep. Uh, and the and the T virus that is featured in this in the vial is also the virus in a majority of the Resident Evil games. We're going to get into some other ones, but it's like T virus is your standard zombie, uh, the dogs, and then there's this thing called the tyrant, which is uh, a subject that responded very well to T virus conditioning. It's a much larger kind of thing. I have a big question about the T virus. Yeah, hit me. Do, do we know why why T? It stood it stood for tyrant. Yeah, the T stood for tyrant. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that's no fun. When we played those original games back in, let me say, like ninety four, ninety five, something like that, they have since yeah. remade those games, and uh, we have remade we have remakes of Resident Evil one, two, and three, which have done an excellent job of taking the source material, building it out in interesting ways. And making the story a bit more cohesive. So if you're into the games, I highly recommend skipping the originals unless you have some wild nostalgia for them. Just going for the remakes. They are excellent, excellent games. Okay. The uh, zombie dogs, what we talked about, staple of this game franchise. I think they might be in every single game. Wow. Uh, In various permutations. They get more or less disgusting depending on... Their environment, which is great. Even the one in like the weird swamp that came out recently. Yeah, there are dogs. Oh, you know what? There might not be dogs in that one. You might be right. <laughs> That's a totally separate kind of story, though. That one's a weird one. Right. But I, I, I knew it was like an outlaw. Yeah. I feel like a character shows up like at the very end or something. Yeah. I'm just curious. A, re- a reboot of sorts, but within the same universe it's very weird it's very convoluted such as resident <laughs> evil it's one of those it can't go on this long and not get confusing 
Yeah. When they give you an exposition dump during the loading screens to tell you like mm-hmm. what's happening, you know it's bad. <laughs> so the liquor we talked about, uh, yeah, they made him out to be like the the big boss in this. Yeah, those those fuckers are everywhere in Resident Evil two, three, and five. Like you, I mean, they're as common, almost as common as zombies, and they're real bastards <laughs> to kill. Okay. So I hate them. And then. Two cool things. There's a super quick shot of the newspaper headlines. Um, I think you mentioned it, right, as like the dead walk, right? Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if you look a little bit further down, uh, it mentions STARS as as an acronym. And then on the hood of some of the police cars, it also has the emblem for STARS. So that is the name of the uh, team that you're on in the first two games. It's uh, Special Tactics and Rescue Squad. They're like a... They're like the SWAT of sure. the Raccoon Police Department. So that's why that that's kind of their quick shorthand way of saying, oh, these are the badass people. That's why they're yeah. able to handle this situation better than everyone else. And it's great. <laughs> that's really it. Not a okay. lot of connective tissue here. So in the, the first couple of games, are there like other monsters or are they mostly just zombie games? Uh, zo- you have zombies and the dogs. We have uh, liquors in Resident Evil Two, so I'll I'll refer to the original one. Resident Evil Two introduces uh, a character that is very how do you put this? He's he's a persistent bastard, uh, Mister X. <laughs> you might have seen some some shots of this guy. Uh, he's unstoppable, right? So all you can do is kind of all it is is triage. You can make him. You could stagger him, and then you run. That's it. There is no killing this creature. So uh, there's that. The original Resident Evil 2 also had a a giant alligator, which was a little bit of a weird choice. He lived in the sewers. Um, Okay, so they're not as monstery as I thought. I don't know why I thought these things were full of like crazy monsters. Some of the, I mean, there are certainly, Mr. X is indeed, if, if you think of like, so, you know, mild spoilers for our future movies, they mentioned the Nemesis program. Nemesis is also a creature. Um, he's also mostly unstoppable. You can unload an entire clip into this guy, headshots, doesn't matter. You will not stop him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We have like these weird plant monsters. You have the liquors. There's all sorts of crazy shit in these games. The first game had sharks. <laughs> okay. It's like weird. It's like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, suffice it to say, uh, zombies through and through. Uh, almost every one of them has had some incarnation of a zombie, which is great. I love it. Oh, for sure. It's just like, for some reason in my head, they were like, they were more monsters than zombies, but like, I'm, I'm on board for all of the above. Yeah. They have. Yeah. These are your (laughs) typical standard shambling zombies up until around resident evil four or five. Then things get a little weird. And we're going to see that reflected in the movies as well. Again, Paul W.S. Anderson, he's like catching up to the games and he's like just incorporating the ideas that he likes. It's pretty weird, but I guess it works. Works for him. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Pretty cool. (laughs) Pretty cool. A good first attempt, I'll say. Yeah. uh, Like, I. Watching the film and its structure and and the way that it progresses, I wouldn't have been surprised if you said, oh, this is what happens in the video game, right? Like, 
I'm sure they took some creative liberties, but I would not have been surprised if you were like, you wake up in this house and you ride this train and you fight your way through this thing. Like that would not have surprised me at all. It, you t- I mean, it is weird. So like the train thing, I don't know why they do that in a lot of the games. There is almost, there is a train often. There is a train in Resident Evil Zero, which is a prequel. There is a train in Resident Evil 2 that you take to an underground lab. So like, these things are not unprecedented. He didn't just, uh, he didn't just come up with the, like a train that leaves Raccoon City or something. I hope not, because otherwise it's fucking stupid. (laughs) What is happening? Why does this train have bomb bay doors? Yeah, that, you know, the, um, the, the move at the end where he pushes a thing of pipes into the liquor. Yeah. There are a lot of things in the game where like, you know, it's a quick time event where you have to like press a button at the right time and a crane will swing into the enemy that you're fighting. You know, it's like there are like okay. a lot of that stuff is like seated here in the movie. You're like, okay, I get it. That's fun. That's fun. So the games aren't really like shooters then either. Oh, I would say you're pro I mean, they're shooters more often than not, but they do have they have a surprisingly long amount of time. Of 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 puzzle solving as well. So you, okay. you there is a lot of like you can clear an area. So like you know if you find if it's all about resource management. You, they never give you enough bullets up front to kill everything. So it's like oh I gotta be a little bit judicious when I go into this room about what I'm gonna do. But eventually you'll clear it, and then it's more about like well what do I do now? So they're fun. Gotcha. I, I highly recommend. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's a question. Yeah. If someone was listening, well, Godspeed if you've listened this long. Congratulations, you've done it. Uh, would you recommend this film to somebody? Like, I, I don't even want to say if it's like a, not necessarily even the zombie genre. <laughs> In casual conversation, we're talking about monster movies or maybe zombie movies. Are you? Is there any time you're recommending Resident Evil to somebody? Uh, like, yeah. Okay. But like with caveats, right? Like, <laughs> uh huh. Th- this is, it, it, I mean, it is firmly a B movie. Yeah. Right? Like, I wouldn't tell someone this is a, like, a good movie. I would tell someone this is a fun movie, right? Yeah. Like, and that's, that's how I tend to approach, like, you know, like genre movies that, like, have some, some blatant flaws, but like, I still love, Mm -hmm. I'm like, did I have fun? Right. Um, it's funny because like Paul W S Anderson makes a lot of these types of movies. I mean, I mentioned a couple that I love in, you know, event horizon and soldier. Yeah. Like they are, they are flawed. They are not perfect, but they are just a lot of fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I I would recommend this to someone. As we get further into the list, um I would recommend some more than others, right? We, we like like we talked about sort of uh, my love for the Fast and Furious franchise and like if I know that like if I know someone is not a completist and just wants to be along for the ride, I recommend people start with Fast Five. Right? Oh, like just, yeah. just skip the first four movies, you know? That's it. Um, I happen to love them, but they they are 
those movies grow and evolve as you go through the franchise. And I think we're going to find that here. Like, as I'm remembering, things get bigger and weirder and crazier as we go along. Um, so, like, you know, maybe when we get three or four movies in, I'll say, eh, maybe I wouldn't recommend people start <laughs> with this one. Right? <laughs> right. You will be wildly confused about what's going on if you start with this one. <laughs> I mean, will you though? Like it's a self-contained story. You know, it, it is clear. There's no confusion. Um, you know, the, the problems that it has are like terrible CGI, absolutely no character work whatsoever. Right. right? Like, like these people are video game characters. Like you, you get, you get very little like backstory. You get very little motivation. Like through this entire film, we learned that Millage is going to help Lisa steal the T virus. We have no idea why, right? Like mm -hmm. just apparently because it was evil. I, like that's all we know. Yeah. Bad stuff. Doing bad stuff. So that was a very long answer, but yes, I would recommend these, this with caveats. All right. A qualified recommendation. But a recommendation yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. <laughs> if someone was like, give me a couple zombie movies to watch. It, I mean, this isn't in like the top 15. 20. Yeah, yeah, like I, was gonna, I was being a little more generous, but yeah, it's not. Um, like we were talking before, before we jumped on air. I'm not even sure I tagged this a zombie movie. Right. right. Like, this is something, uh, it's got, it's a zombie, it is zombie adjacent movie. <laughs> yeah. Like it's an action movie with zombies in it. Yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah. So Sorry. I would, yeah, I would say yes. Uh, you know, it's, it feels like a no brainer if you have watched uh, or have played the games to at least check this out. Maybe like the next two also, when you get some familiar names and uh, potentially faces uh, in front of you, but yeah. I had a good time. I, I didn't, I watch a lot of movies as we established up front. A lot of the time I end up just kind of, when will this be over with? <laughs> and I didn't feel that for this. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, there's that. Oh, that looks terrible. Oh, that's great. Um, you know, it was nice. It was a nice. Yeah. I mean, it, it's paced well and it's a tight 90 minutes, right? Like you get in and get out, which has always been my feeling of like, most genre movies should be 90 minutes, yeah. right? Like Don't comedies, sci-fi, westerns, like a good 90-minute movie. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to watching a few more of these. I love it. I love it. So what's next? Oh, let me tell you what's next. We have Resident Evil Apocalypse. Which okay. I totally didn't have to read again off of our notes. But yeah, uh -huh. this is, uh, as I understand it, I didn't watch, I didn't watch ahead. I had yeah. them all queued up. I was going to take them one at a time because I didn't want my, um, one, I didn't want it to blur together. And then one, I didn't want to accidentally reference something that may happen later. Again, it's been a minute since I've seen any of these. So this is kind of sure. nice. I believe Apocalypse picks up right from the final scene of this with the, she's in the street with a shotgun. I think that's how it starts, which is pretty cool for continuity at least. I mean, yeah, that, that feels right. Right. Like I, I was saying 
that ending feels like a cold open. Yeah. <laughs> the title card <laughs> comes up. Yeah. Resident so, Evil. so that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be great. That'll be great. I think we did it. I think we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I'm, my gosh. I'm excited. This was a good first episode. I yeah. Where are we at here? Wow, we're, yeah, hour forty five. That's yeah, we've we. I think we ran longer than the movie, which generally we're trying to save you time. But there, we had to cover so much ground, you know. So uh, I'll try to keep my recap shorter. No, no, no. I think because boy, we, we go through the video game stuff, we go through the production <laughs> notes. There's a lot. We're it's a lot of value in one episode. You know, it's all free. So come on, come on. Yeah, come on, people. <laughs> Skip to the parts that you like if you don't want to hear me. <laughs> Talk about the <laughs> other podcasts we do up front. Oh, we won't have to do that either after this, too. That's nice. All right. There you go. Eric, thank you for joining me. If people wanted to listen to you on other things or hear what you have to say elsewhere on the internet, where could they where could they do that? Yeah, I'm on all the social medias as Platypus Jones, um, all one word. Um, so you can find me there. I'm usually on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and uh, as we mentioned at the top, there is a 12 and 24 discord. And oh, yeah. I like to pop in there uh, regularly. We talk about, you know, Keanu and, and Kurt, but uh, we also have some threads for, you know, all kinds of stuff. So just check it out there. Yeah, I guess I will make uh, another channel for this as well. This, sure. This isn't fully launched yet. So as of recording this, we don't have the trailer or anything put together. But if you go to 12 and 24, that's the numerals, 1, 2, A, N, D, 2, 4. It'll be in the show notes, um, 12and24.com slash Discord. Join us, chat live. It'll be awesome. In, in addition to that, you can find me at Dark Driving. Most places on the internet, Twitter and Instagram are the best. I was thinking as a companion piece to this, I might stream the games on Twitch. I'm also at Dark Driving on Twitch. That's a little bit of an endeavor. I think the games are about <laughs> six to 10 to 12 hours, depending. But uh, it might be fun to revisit these. So I'll consider it as we move into the spooky season. You have some spooky fun. games going on here. It could be cool. Right on. That's it. There'll probably be some music playing here. Again, this is very sure. rough, but we're going uh -huh. for it. Thank you yeah. all for joining us. And remember, just one bite, one scratch from these creatures is sufficient. Stay safe out there. 